Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out to find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three and a certified life coach, Lizzie Langston. Hello, everybody. I was just listening to a Scottish singer. (laughs) I was going through Facebook and her name is Natty Dredd, D-R-E-D-D-D. Natty is just N-A-T-I. You can look her up. She's on Facebook. She's amazing. And I was just having so much fun listening to her, but I'm like, hello, because she's that's how she talks. It's so cute. I love accents of all over Europe. All right. So I have a lot of Europe in my blood. It's kind of fun. Where are you guys from? I would love to hear, where do you know that you descend from as far as your heritage? What's your last name related to if you got married and took on another last name or switched out your last name? What's your family heritage? Do you know? I have a lot of Danish ancestry and a lot of England, London area. And then I also have um, the Isle of Man, actually. And way back. So there's just like a whole bunch of all over, basically. This good stuff. I really, really have found a lot of comfort in understanding my ancestry. So yeah, you can send me an email, lizzie at lizzielangston.com. Tell me where you're from. Any cool family history stuff. I'm a geek for stuff like that. So as you guys might know, if you've heard on the podcast, I have a 12-week program that I take people through. And we base it off of my course, which is the postpartum anxiety slash depression slash birth trauma recovery slash mother wound healing course. It's for all those things. And so in a three-step process in that course, which is calm your body, calm your mind, and then calm your life and your past trauma and all of that, um, we, we do that work for 12 weeks and we really addressed postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and birth trauma recovery, and just general, you get generally trauma educated. You get to know your inner child. You get to take a look at your past trauma and really reframe things in a way that heals you and soothes you and allows you to live beyond your trauma going forward. And also how to manage the day to day in a way that doesn't make it build up and load your body down. So if you want to get on the wait list to join my program, you go to lizzielangston.com forward slash program. And that's where you can get on the wait list because I don't have a date for you yet. We're still in the middle of my first program. I'm really taking my time, treating these women so well, getting to know exactly what they need. I'm restructuring a couple things, tweaking things, and then I will launch again when I'm ready to. So if you don't want to miss that and you want to be a part of my next 12-week program cohort, then get on my wait list. Again, it's lizzielangston.com forward slash program. And if you want to join Whenever it's ready, that's also where it will be is lizzielangston.com forward slash program until I announce otherwise. If I name the program, which I probably will in the future, that link might change. But for now, that's where you can go. If you hear this in, and it's been a while since this has been recorded, please always just reference the, um, the most recent episode will always have my current offering and the show notes are always uh, of the recent episodes are a great place to go to figure out how to work with me. Okay. So in this group though, we've been talking about 
trauma. And it's always fascinating because this happened with me and it's happening with the women I'm teaching. And it probably can happen with you guys here on the podcast as well, which is that as you start learning about trauma and about abuse and about emotional availability and, you know, codependence and enmeshment, you start to wake up to seeing how you were raised in a different way. There's some contrast. So not only is there the gratitude and the love, but there's also sometimes anger, sadness, frustration, shock, as you start to realize, oh, wow. Um, yeah, that wasn't okay, but I always just sort of wrote it off as okay. And that's not okay for me today. And I think a lot of women are really, really nervous to do that work. And I want to explain just for a minute before we talk about emotional availability today, because it's it's part of understanding emotional availability is part of how you can break the cycles of abuse or neglect, emotional neglect, totally, even if people didn't mean to do that to you, you might, you might be doing it to your children and not mean to as well. So the whole point of, and the golden nugget, like the good part of understanding trauma is if you can just hang on and get through the grief and the anger or whatever feelings arise, as you begin to understand what wasn't okay for you when you were a child, the great part is that you don't perpetuate unknowingly family patterns that are not healthy. Okay. And it does take bravery And it does take um, love for yourself and self-advocacy. And it does sometimes get uncomfortable. But just because you open up the bag of family trauma in your family line and really look at your childhood through this lens does not mean that you have to stop having a good relationship with your family members. And it does not mean that you have to betray or hate or step on or totally throw under the bus the people that raised you and the family that you came from. That's not what I want for anyone. And that is definitely not what I want for myself. I truly cherish my family relationships. And just because I say, oh, I see that this isn't how I want to do it in my family that I'm creating doesn't mean that, that you have to step away from or be disloyal to whoever raised you. Loyalty is always an option. And so I really want to just say that you get to be in charge of what it looks like to heal. So about mother-daughter stuff, And honestly, this could probably be a whole episode in and of itself, but I found an article that sort of hits on why it's so uncomfortable for us as daughters of mothers and then who who become mothers of our own. About the time you become a mom, you start to, anything that isn't sitting well in your system that your adult self does not now feel okay with anything from your childhood, basically your body starts to bring it up postpartum. That's the unique thing about postpartum. And that's why I believe it's so valuable and cherished to have a postpartum specific coach is because there's this mother daughter, you know, the matriarchy as the matriarchal line gets, you know, as you be, as you experience menarchy or menarch, which some people talk about is that transition from womanhood or just girlhood to like motherhood, you, um, again, your body might confront you with memories or tendencies or things that show up in your demeanor and your behavior to your kids, but you don't want them. And you're like, where did this even come from? But it's because it was programming written on you from your mother, which was programming written on her from her mother. And part of becoming an adult is examining that. So 
I wanted to reference this article really quick again to just touch really quick before we go into emotional availability on why it is so sometimes painful or scary or difficult or hush hush and almost non-existent for many mother daughters to to talk about this. Why are mothers even abusive to their daughters even if they didn't mean to? Why do relationships get toxic? And how is trauma passed down? Why is trauma silenced? And all of that. So um, again, this is an article that I'm referencing from bethanywebster.com. I will include this article link in the show notes of this episode if you want to read it because there's so much more that I'm going to touch on in this episode. Um, But basically what she talks about is that there's three people in your relationship with your mom. There's you, there's your mom, and then there's your mother's inner child. And then as you become an adult, there's actually four people. There's you, there's your mom, there's your mom's inner child, and there is actually your inner child as well. And your inner child, and I teach about this, we go over this in my 12-week program. So if you want to deep dive and you just really feel like you want to get into that, please come to the program. And I'm sure I'll talk about it more on the podcast, but um. Your inner child is a real part of you. It is basically, it's not an actual child, right? There's not like this little being inside of you, like in Harry Potter when, um, what is it? The professor that is Mad-Eye Moody and he like gets, uh, somebody takes, you know, the spell to basically be Mad-Eye Moody, but it's not really him. He's a copy of him. And so the real Mad-Eye Moody is sitting in this chest, like deep down in Mad-Eye Moody's, you know, office as a professor. And it's, it's not like that. It's not like you have some inner child deep down in you. That's like this little baby, you know, fetus in you. Okay. But what it it is though, is basically very real patterns and tendencies that have cropped up in you as a result of the, the way you were raised. And it's like this, almost like this stuckness of your nervous system in certain areas and with certain people in the presence of certain people. And it is so real. And so your development sort of got hindered in these certain areas and ways. And so in those ways, it's almost immature in the way that you do things or your triggers. And I don't mean immature is like, you need to judge yourself kind of a way, but there's just like, um, sort of a stuckness in your development because there are certain things that, when your body experienced the trauma of it, it just put it under the rug. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. So to speak, in your body and just paused. You didn't, you didn't, you weren't able to develop past the coping skill that you used. And so let's say you were 16 years old and, um, I don't know, your dad got really mad at you for something you bought and, um, you just like freaked out and you, from that moment on, you noticed you never really wanted to buy stuff the same way. You always second guessed your opinions or your purchasing decisions. And it's just really rocked the way that you are with money, even into adulthood. So that's like, let's say you were 16, that's your inner child. Like you, you have a 16 year old basically running your money as an adult. 
And until we examine this and we're able to finish the run or smooth out basically with our past self or our inner child, that, that experience and that trauma from that moment, it's still running your life. It's still sort of this immature programming that just, again, just needs some love and attention and smoothing out so that you're able to mature past that way of doing things into a way that you choose as an adult. Hopefully that wasn't too long of a description. And so um, again, coming back to the mother-daughter relationship and the inner child thing, your your mother has an inner child, okay? And she brings that into her relationship with you, whether she's aware of it or not. So can you imagine if your mom isn't aware of it and she totally is like enmeshed with you and like projects onto you her own pain from her childhood, can you imagine the difference that you can make in the generations if you learn about your inner child and your mom's inner child? So then you can you can have compassion on your mom when her inner child comes up in the relationship and you can have compassion on yourself when your inner child comes up in your relationship with your daughter or sons or all of your kids. And also you can educate your child. Hey, I'm sorry. I just yelled at you. You know what? That wasn't about you. That was really, that's my inner child stuff. I need it. That's mine. Right. And so it just really, really lightens. And that was my dog. He, he needs to go out. Hold on. Cute puppy. But yeah, you can see how that really lightens the relationship between you and your daughter and unenmeshes it. Okay. So this is possible for you. You can be a chain breaker. All right. I'm going to share more from that article probably in the next episode, but for today, let's go ahead and dive into emotional availability. So I'm going to give you five ways that you can measure or kind of feel out somebody else's emotional availability um, so that you can kind of check the people that you're spending a lot of time with, that you're confiding in, how emotionally available really are they? And are you okay with that? And then of course, always, it's such a good check for yourself to think about how you interact with your partner, your spouse, to think about how you might interact with your kids. If your kids are old enough to talk, (laughs) I know some of us just have little babies. Um, so this is such a great check. So let's, let's dive in emotional availability. Um, and this came up when I was coaching one of my clients and it was such an interesting conversation to have. So let's, let's go through this. Number one, quality of listening. So how quality is the listening of another person that you're in a relationship with? And really also ask yourself, how quality is your listening? Um, but, but first I want to empower you. We're going to talk about it in the terms of somebody else that you love and you, you know, rely on, or you confide in, whether it's a friend or a spouse or a partner or a mother or a child. I mean, you know, with your children, you're not confiding in them like you would another adult. Hopefully that's called parentification and it can be traumatic for your children. So look it up now. <laughs> okay. So quality of listening, how well do you listen and how well do the people around you listen? When you're talking to somebody, are they distracted? When you were a child, when you talked to your mom, was she distracted typically, or did she drop everything and tune in and listen to you? How attentive was she? Did she interrupt you a lot and not let you finish? Did she um, sort of look away or uh-huh, uh-huh, but she wasn't really listening. Did she have a typical response that every time you talk to her about something difficult for you, it's basically like, I'm sorry, honey. And it's, it's not really there. She's not really actually able to 
be emotionally available. She's not able to lend you any emotional space. It's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. And then moving on kind of mechanical. So that's the first way to sort of measure somebody's emotional availability, quality of listening. And you can think about this with your partner as well. Your co-parent, like how quality of is the listening there? The second one is what is this other person's response to boundaries? So if you were to say, Hey, I'm, I love you, but if you yell at me again, I'm going to leave the room because I don't want to be yelled at. It's just not how I want my nervous system to have to do things today. So as a way to care for myself, that's the boundary I'm setting. Do they just yell louder? Do they make some snide remark like, Oh, goody two shoes, you know, (laughs) do they roll their eyes at you? What is their body language like? Or are they like, I can respect that. I admire that actually. That's you taking care of yourself. That makes sense. Right? Have you ever had somebody set a boundary and they, or you maybe set a boundary and somebody just walked right over it? Or maybe you're still learning to understand boundaries. And if that's the case, scroll down in the podcast. I have some great um, episodes on boundaries in this podcast and how to set them and all that. And in my private podcast for my membership, which is currently paused, but I think I would like to open it again. We also have some really good deeper episodes on really getting into the nitty gritty of boundaries, but yeah. How do people respond to your boundaries? Now with your children, of course, they're going to push, pull, kick, you know, metaphorically speaking or physically, (laughs) they're going to test your boundaries. That's, that's part of their development. Their brain isn't fully developed, but I'm talking about another adult, right? That is supposedly developed emotionally speaking, and there's mutual respect in the relationship. Um, do they respect your boundaries? Okay. The next one is when you have a special event or maybe a hard time, let's say you're having surgery or it's your birthday, or, you know, it's your kid's first day of school and you have expressed to this person you're in relationship with that you're really nervous about it, or you're feeling a lot of emotions. Um, do they check in with you? Are they thinking about you? And again, just because they don't doesn't mean they're not an emotionally available person because emotionally available people aren't, you know, ball and chain, like indebted to you. They don't need to always be emotionally available to you. And if they have like their average day going on, they might be more available, but if they have something difficult going on, that's taking up a lot more emotional processing space than normal, they might not check in with you. Right. I have really, really wonderful, amazing friends and we have very healthy relationships. And even if something's hard, something hard or difficult is happening in my life, if they are also going through something, you know, a schedule change, maybe they're traveling or maybe they've got family in town or they are going through something difficult of their own, they might not be checking in on me with my difficulty. And that's not necessarily a lack of emotional availability. That could just be that they are maxed out and that could be healthy. So again, you don't want to be black and white about this. This is just an overall sort of spectrum check-in, but think about yourself too. Um, how think about your friends and your family, how available do you feel like you are? Do you, do you feel like you have the capacity to be thinking about what other people might be feeling and checking in on them during a hard day or something like that? Or do you feel like you're totally maxed out? Now there's nothing wrong with being in a season of life where you just don't feel like you're super available. However, if you miss 
being that kind of a friend. And if you'd like to be able to be emotionally available to others so that you can then also receive emotional availability and connection in relationship with others, then that might be a sign that you're ready to do some mental health and postpartum healing work in order to expand your emotional availability. Because what happens is when you have past built up traumas and your nervous system is dysregulated, you are very, you have very little emotional availability. Another way to look at this is you might find that you are just really, really struggling with impulse control in general. Maybe you're overspending, you're shopping to soothe yourself, you're binging on Netflix, or maybe you're just slathering your emotions at your kids, even though you don't feel like it's their fault or they didn't, you know, they just did something normal for a kid, but you're just losing control. Again, these are all signals to you from your nervous system and from your body's subconscious trauma storage system, your healing system that you might be overloaded. And if you desire more emotional availability in your relationships with yourself and compassion and love for yourself, and also with your children, then come do the work in the 12 week program. Again, just get on my wait list at lizzielangston.com forward slash program. All right. So checking in in hard time was number three. Let's go to number four. Another way to look at emotional availability is a two-way conversation versus emotional dumping. So have you ever chatted with someone and it kind of feels like they are going through sort of the motions to say hi to you and be like, how are you doing? But really at the end of the day, they're there to just like dump on you. Now I say dumping because the question is, is it going both ways? So there's totally space in a healthy friendship or relationship to need to just talk to someone. But what I like to do is ask like, Hey, how much time do you have today? And would you mind if I bring you some sort of heavy stuff? Like, are you up for that? Right. Versus just like, Hey, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, let me tell you about this horrible thing. Blah, 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 blah. Or, Oh, I saw this on the news. It was so disgusting. Or, Oh, this terrible, horrible thing happened. Like it's just, it's emotionally available and cognizant of others emotions to check in and say, Hey, is it okay? Are you available today for me to talk to you about this? It doesn't matter how close of friends you are. I don't like to assume because it just like to check in and be like, you know, and I don't like to just say, I'll just assume that you're going to tell me you you're not emotionally available after I dump the things on them. I really do like to hear from them first. Are you up for this every now and then? I feel like I make good efforts to ask and I just don't hear back or, you know, whatever, or I'm feeling like something's pressing and I might gingerly assume, okay, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, but I'm just saying, feel free to not watch this Marco Polo, you know, or whatever, if you're not up for it, come back to it later. So is there that sort of intentionality and awareness of how you might be feeling before this person you're in relationship, like dumps something on you, or do they just like have this entitlement to your space and to your emotional availability. Now, maybe you like that, but maybe you don't. It just depends on where you're at in your relationship and and in your awareness of your own regulation and yourself. But that's just something to think about. Um, yeah. And I, like I said, I just, I really like to be intentional there and ask permission or get consent first. That's a really great sign. So are you doing that? And do the people close to you do that? Do you want them to? Maybe you don't. That's just another thing. So there's two-way conversation versus emotionally dumping. And again, just one more thing on that is um, it's one thing to have a big thing to say and you leave it there and then you guys go back and forth and talk about it. But then also checking in, how are you doing, right? From like a genuine place and not every conversation 
conversation needs to have the two way, right? Some conversations might be more centered on one person or the other. That's totally fine. But just in general, is it always about this person you're in a relationship with to like an imbalanced way or, or does she also ask about you? So that's something to check in with. And then the last one is, does this person that you're in relationship with set boundaries Um, does she set her own boundaries or he, right? Does this person set their own boundaries? Um, do they overgive to you and then get resentful and distant? Or do they say, Hey, I would love to get back to these, but I'm not going to be able to, because I just really need to take care of myself today. I'm doing some things that I've been wanting to do. So just so you know, I, I know these messages are here waiting for me, but I will get back to you when I can. Right. Or if somebody doesn't call you, Um, is it because they're taking care of themselves or are you constantly worried that there's like some drama? Are you in their head? Are they in your head? Is it kind of enmeshed like that and codependent and a little bit weird, some game playing and dynamics like that. So you want to be looking for, I mean, the goal is to be a person that like has availability for other people because you've done your own work and your own healing, but also knows when to take care of herself. And actually from a very healthy place puts herself first, knowing that when we take care of ourselves first, we always have the maximum availability for other people that we're capable of. So I think where we get into trouble is we try to be that giving friend, but we don't actually have emotional availability and we're doing it from a place of desiring to be that friend, but not actually really truly having done the work to have the capacity and the availability to be that friend. And it goes the same thing in our motherhood. We want to be, so we go through the motions. We want to be this certain mom that does these things with her kids and checks all these boxes And so we try to be that, but we get really run down and really burnt out because the truth is we haven't been that person for ourselves yet. Again, my 12 week program is you learning how to put yourself first and to be there for yourself, to co-regulate yourself, to basically take the torch from your mom and hold it in your hand and any work that still needs to be done on your inner child that your mom just wasn't able to provide for you. You get to be the one to go back through your childhood and, and really take inventory honestly and be like, okay, that's a little bit immature how I, how I do that to this day. And maybe it was because of the way that I was raised, but still I'm an adult now. I want to take hold of the torch of my emotional development and my mental well being, And I want to be the one to graduate myself through these phases and to educate myself and to be whole in the ways that I desire to be whole. That is no longer your mom's job. And so if there's a lot of bitterness and resentment, I want to validate that for you. That just means that there's work to do, but it's your work to do now, right? Cause you're an adult. So come do it with us in this 12 week program. We will probably start in another month or so from the date of this recording. So today's Tuesday, April 19th. So within the next four to six to eight weeks, Um, but again, get on the wait list at lizzielangston.com forward slash program. And I will see you in the next episode. Can't wait. Talk to you soon. Bye guys. Hello. This is a new outro because I'm currently updating my program. I'm no longer offering consults for private coaching, but as you heard me say in the podcast, It's a 12-week program that I've got going right now, and it's amazing. We're healing the mother wound, generational anger patterns, passive aggression. We're healing depression and anxiety postpartum and birth trauma, past childhood trauma, and so much more. So come join us. Get on the wait list today at lizzielangston.com forward slash program. And if the program is open, 
It's that same link, lizzylangston.com forward slash program to be able to get in now. If you have any questions, just email me lizzie at lizzylangston.com and we'll talk soon.